Uh, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, and uh, uh, we are going to talk about a very important year in Chelsea's history, which is the 1970-71 to 71 season. Um, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I was far too young. I mean, just to put this into context for you all, Chelsea didn't really come into my uh, consciousness, really, until 1976. Uh, I didn't start going until... Uh, kind of mid to late eighties, um, so you know this was this meant nothing to me at the time. But I mean, what, the more I got into Chelsea, and the more I, you know, read about our history. Yes, we do have history, and all of that kind of thing. One of the things I was always really, really drawn to was the season in which Chelsea won their first European trophy. Because having grown up in the seventies and the eighties, when Liverpool, Forest, all of these teams were winning European trophies you know, easily. I was always very proud of the fact that Chelsea had kind of certainly, you know, won a European trophy before Liverpool. I mean, I know that Man City, uh, funnily enough, were the holders this year and we knocked them out in the semi-final. So we weren't the first English club to win a European trophy. But it it always seemed really important to me that we'd got our name on the honours board therein. So I was always very proud of this. And then going through, the more pe- the more Chelsea people I got to meet, uh, I, I, I was always really delighted. I mean, for example, you know, one of the early uh, kind of peripheral members of the of the fan cast was Psycho Phil, who was uh, Chris and Stu's father. And I know that he was at Athens and that always, you know, endeared uh, him to me hugely, the fact he was there. And then there's a few other people, John Fleming, that many people who listen to this show will know he was in Athens, which is why he's called Athens John. So there are a few people, there are a few people that I know who were actually there. And I, I think that that's... Uh, a massive badge of honour because, of course, you know, there were about two and a half, three thousand that went there for the final, but it was held, the replay was two days later and not everybody could stay. So only about 200 remained. And I just think that's a wonderful story, which we will probably get to in part three, because I think, first of all, we, we need to talk about the season as a whole, particularly the league season. Remember, Chelsea went into this having uh, won the FA Cup which we talked about last week, beating Dirty Leeds in the replay up at Old Trafford. Um, and I would imagine, as a result of that, Jonathan, hopes for this season were pretty high, weren't they? Yes, and it was consequently a, a bitter disappointment finishing sixth. And I think we went out in the fourth round of the F, of the Cup as well. Um, it, we, it, we, it, was, it was a bit of a season of turmoil that way. You could see that some players who'd been fixtures just didn't play very often so uh, um, Eddie McCready only played 14 times I can't remember whether he was injured or not um, uh, uh, Benetti was injured for a period so Phillips played for 14 he was pretty good he wasn't as good as uh, as Benetti who was a really world-class goalkeeper of course um, and, and what I'm intrigued about which is something I never really thought about at the time was that Peter Hausman who was was um, was vilified by lots of fans. I kept saying he kept being called Mary. Um, he played 37 times, except he only scored one goal. But he was a much better player than uh, than people let on. Um, and of course, it was the emergence of one of my favourite ever players for Chelsea, who uh, unfortunately, when everything fell apart, was transferred really quickly, was Keith Weller, who played 36 times, but he only had... Um, he scored four goals, but he was a big big uh player in the in the cup winners cup um but he was uh, we just waxed lyrically about him for a moment he was um f- very very quick and skillful on the right wing 
with beautiful crosses in. And he's one of those players that you just thought, I want him to play all the time. I really, he's going to be great for Chelsea for the rest of his career. And um, I think we paid a hundred thousand for him. And uh, he, he was a, a victim of the of the building the stand and it all falling apart, and and he was a great disappointment to me leaving. It's um, in the same way that Hazard was a disappointment. You know, it's when you see great players playing for your side and you think, what's going to happen to this guy? How's he going to fit in for the for the rest of his career here at Chelsea? And we were used to having success at that period. It was a period where we, this was a. For this went was carried on from '63, so for it'd been eight years of having really exciting football at the bridge, and this was just a continuation of it with players who were still coming through from uh, the not from the youth team, but I mean from they were players who'd played with the youth. So we still had Ron Harris, um, uh, we still had John Boyle, and what we had and John Hollins was still playing, um, uh, and you had from the year before. Obviously, you still had Aussie and Hutchinson. Um, and Baldwin didn't play as much, and I think well, that also was a was testimony to the as we said as I said last week, he, he was always substitute. He was never. This is why I personally, when you're little, I loved George Graham, who he was swapped for with a fee, and I never understood why. And yet um, he was there and thereabouts, is considered you know part of that setup, but didn't play very often. And I never looked looked at him and thought oh, he's a great player. I thought contributes, but you know. Um, uh, whereas Hollins, for example, played 40 games, played um, uh, more than anybody else that season. And I, I can't really emphasise how fantastic Hollins was as a player. And also you felt if you've been watching him since he came in as a youth player, this feeling, this which um, uh, which I think we're going to experience more and more, that he's one of yours, that he really has come from from somewhere good in the club. And he's just continued. And I'm afraid he soured it by becoming not a great manager for the club, but as a player was um, a bundle of energy and industry. And I think his one cap for England was just a complete joke because he was an unbelievably consistent, ebullient performer. Um, and um, I mean, <laughs> annoyingly didn't score a goal, but um uh, that's actually their substitute. I'm not. I've got it all wrong. They're all substitutes, aren't they? They're all talking about. Um, so um, uh, he still didn't score a goal. No, Hollins didn't score a goal. Actually, no, no. I'm lying, mate. He did. He scored nine goals that season. He did. He scored nine. Absolutely. No, but he scored. Um, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're right. And the other other one was, of course, was the the continuation of Hudson as a great player. So you had some, amidst that, you still had great players. Cook was great. Hudson was great. Um, Housen was still playing well. Hutchinson and Osgood were still playing. Um, uh, though Osgood uh, only played 27 times in the league, and I can't remember whether he was injured. Well, I, I can tell you what happened. I mean, there were two very odd things that happened with Aussie. Yeah. Uh, one, one was he he did uh, he did pick up uh, a lot of injuries, um, but also he uh, strangely um, had a you know something. Well, he was kind of banned for a while, wasn't he? Because he picked oh, up a lot of right. yellow cards that's or something. Right. That's but he, right. he got an eight-week ban or something that's crazy. Right. People were and the uh, the press were against him as well, saying that he was a, a bad lot, and that he was a filthy player. And there was a big, there was a God, it's all come back to me, bloody hell. There was a big campaign to try and get him suspended for even longer. But that's really typical of the way we were viewed as a club once again in that period, as these this showbiz club, as this big 
you know they're, they're all they're all they're not proper they're not proper salt of the earth working class players there's all something show busy about them something hoity-toity about them being in the king's road and that was a an image that we really had for the whole of that period um uh, which as you said last week i think um We've we've still got to an extent. Always have. I think it's it's been you know that that that's <clears throat> for me that that reputation goes even beyond that pre-war. I mean the musical yeah. club. It's always been a showbiz club, largely because of where where, where it was it is, based. In Chelsea, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of the, there are so many interesting things about about this season, and I mean let, let let's let's talk about Aussie. I mean Aussie had a phenomenal season, uh, the season before. Uh, when we won the FA Cup, as we all know, Aussie pretty much, well, he scored in every round. I mean, he was fundamental uh, to us winning the Cup. But it wasn't quite as good a season for him. No, OK, I know he was injured. I know he got the ban, but he only scored 12 goals. But I tell you what really strikes me as really interesting. Keithy Weller apart, who was brilliant in his first and only season, uh, signed him from Millwall. Um, he was our top goal scorer that season with 14. 14. That's right. Yeah. But what surprises me, JK, about that is that we had set up... I mean, in a sense, what Sexton had done is he had, he had tried to kind of move the side on from the FA Cup winning side. And we had a lot of flair players. It was really set up, in a sense, to score a lot of goals. And yet we failed miserably to do so in a sense. I mean, as I said, Keith Weller was, was top scorer on 14 compared to Aussie the season before on 31. Uh, the next highest was uh, Aussie on 12. And after that, you had uh, Ian Hutch on nine and Johnny Hollins on nine. So we we did struggle a bit to put the goals away. I mean, yeah. I mean, as I said, last, last the, the season before, 1969-70 season, we scored 96 goals in the league. Yeah. This season, we scored... Uh, 52 in the league, so we seem to have a bit of a, a problem up front or, or scoring the goals. Do you do you remember it like that? I, I just remember it being disappointing for finishing sixth. And you look at some of the results. You have to remember, of course, that Man City were a huge club at the time and with some fantastic players, um, Summerby and Bell, um, and Francis Lee. Absolutely. Lee bums Bell, Bell bums Lee, Lee and Bell bums Summerby with a knick-knack paddywhack, <laughs> give a dog a bone, why don't City fuck off home? Well remembered. Remember that? Well remembered. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's interesting watching the, so you look at the, some of the attendance figures that Leeds are still phenomenal. Um, uh, 58,000 watching them at home. Wow. Can you imagine that in the bridge? 58,000. You're just... Uh, you're a you're a sardine watching, um, uh, jammed up against uh, your little fence that you've chosen or your stanchion, um, and then and then of course Huddersfield there are only twenty eight thousand, um, and uh, United Man United fifty three uh, fifty three thousand, um, and uh, it, you know it corresponds to the to the to the club. I mean they were similarly sixty one thousand for Spurs because the rivalry was still there in that period, but. Um, but City, Man City, I'd say 51,000. Big, I mean, huge, huge, phenomenal um, attendances, aren't there? 53,000 against Arsenal. And, of course, there was the other thing that came, which was Mulligan came in and played, who was a, a really terrific player, given an opportunity to play. Curly-haired Mulligan play was an Ireland international. Um, uh, scored some fabulous goals coming in from wing-back. Um, but, yeah, he was very ahead of his time, Sexton, wasn't he, play, attempting to play... Um, 
a kind of pattern of having uh, uh, it, it was almost um, um, uh, not three, you didn't have three centre halves, but you had overlapping fullbacks non-stop. You hoped that they that they would be there to provide that not only the crosses, but the they were like a winger. So he had wingers plus overlapping fullbacks. So in a sense, uh, Weller was kind of midfield, but he wasn't. He played as a winger. I can't I can't tell you how good uh, Weller was. He's absolutely brilliant. And as you say, Chidge, a season for goodness' sake, what on earth was happening there? Um, you also saw the emergence of um, Mickey Droy starting to play for Chelsea um, at four appearances uh, and um, uh, and Derek Smethurst of course who scored in the uh, in the cup for European Cup Winners Cup final who was another decent player um, I mean that was the thing that was the, the you got this is why the season was just slightly disappointing 51 points um, and yet crowned at the end almost as if Possibly they took their foot off the gas and uh, and allowed them to be uh, competitive in the Cup Winners' Cup as a consequence. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that in part two. I'm going to ask you about a couple of things. You mentioned Johnny Hollins, and John John Hollins made uh, the highest appearance maker for Chelsea. Yeah. Arguably his best season. Of course, a lot of people will remember uh, the uh, wonderful goal he scored against Arsenal when he followed up his own rebound off the bar to wallop it past... Uh, Bob Wilson from outside the area. Were you there for that one? We beat them two one. That was, was in August. I was indeed there. Yeah, and uh, and Mulligan scored, of course. Yeah, that was a wonderful goal. And in fact, it's that thing of them wanting to go home and uh, and watch it on the on the. I think it was on Match of the Day, wasn't it? And uh, uh, was it was it goal of the one? Well, it was goal of the season on Match on on Match of the Day. It was yeah. The if you ever get a chance on YouTube, please have a look at it. It's just. Uh, it's. It's. I remember. I remember. Like a uh, bullet going back, going back. The the fact that you are going. Oh, oh, oh! When it hit the bar, you know that you do. <laughs> when he went back and got it, smashed it in. Uh, God, because he turns round on the ball, having it having hit the bar, because it's gone past him. Turns round on it, gets in front of it again, and smashes it in. It's. Uh, but that was his energy. That he really was a top player, Johnny Hollins. There was another, this was also the year, uh, some people might have heard of this, some people might not, but uh, when we played against Ipswich, um, which which was also on match of the day, Alan Hudson uh, scored a goal that wasn't a goal because it actually hit the side netting, but the referee, uh, the referee uh, basically gave the goal. This is from, uh, well, yeah, you know, what what can I say? Were you at that one? I was there, yeah, yeah. So what happened? What, yeah. what do you well, remember he, of that? He had, a, he had a shot and and in his silky way, and they they uh, they all knew it had gone out for a goal kick, and the referee insisted uh, that it was a goal, and Chelsea were all embarrassed and sort of slunk back past the past the halfway line, and the referee was mobbed by all the Ipswich players and um, ignored them all, and the linesman, in wonderfully um, uh, typical fashion, didn't bother to attempt to t- whether he's he agreed or not, or whether the angle was right. He just gave in to the uh, the superior powers of the of the ref, and the goal was uh, the goal was given. And uh, everybody in the crowd, that's what I love about it, knew it hadn't gone in. We all knew. We're all watching, and we're all going. That never went in. That didn't go in. And and we didn't dare say you're as blind as a bat, ref, because he just awarded a goal. But you know, it was uh, we weren't going to chai ike him, were we? We're not going to say you're shit. You know, you need to. He'd specs ref because he's just given us a goal out of nothing. 
but yet was so obviously had hit the stanchion. It was absurd. So, because the ball also um, went out to the left of the goal. It's not as if it hit the stanchion inside and came out. It hit the stanchion and then went went out towards the, well, whether the invalid cards there, I can't remember, but went out towards the shed. So you thought, well, not only did it not go in, it, it must have, to have ended up where it ended up, it must have gone through a hole in the net. So, uh, but there was a kind of, of enormous chuckling going around the bridge as a consequence, which I thought was really good fun at the time. Everybody was laughing. Everybody was going, <laughs> that never went in. Oh, oh, oh. That, that kind of, that rather than cheering, because nobody was cheering because it hadn't gone in. It was that really weird moment. Fantastic moment. So, I mean, we were we were in third for for much of the season. Uh, well, certainly towards the, you know, the, the business end of the season, JK. Yeah. Um, and, you know, do you, can you remember a moment when it kind of, it dawned on you that we were we were not going to do better than that. There was a particular game you remember when you thought, "Well, that's it, the game's up." Because you know what we're like now, aren't we? We're all very conscious of that. All, all yeah, if we beat we so are, and so are. and they lose to so and so, we'll end yeah, up in I that position. I think um, uh, we we lost to Tottenham in, in March, didn't we? Seventy one. I think that two nil at home. At, um, yeah, uh, uh, we, we lost to Arsenal away, and we lost to Spurs two one away. Sorry, away. Uh, yeah, and and I think I think it was then. That it was it dawned upon us, and there were a couple of draws. There was a Southampton draw, um, uh, so I, I think um, I think it then began to to dawn. But also, I think I think they took their their feet off the off the, the the pedals, as I said, because they were they were going further and further in the Cup Winners' Cup, and I think that whether psychologically that then became more important to them because they were no longer in the FA Cup and they were no longer in the League Cup. So that was the that was the focus. Well, just just having a look at, at the you know the results here. It's I mean, I, do you know what Dane? I love this. You know, no matter how where where you look at Chelsea, some things never change. You know, we were doing all right. You know, first kind of half of the season uh, up until about January, and basically the wheels started to fall off. So we had a period January the ninth. We played Man United at home. We lost two one. Then we drew to Palace. Then we lost three nil to Everton, who of course were the champions at the time. Uh, th- that was away. Then we lost 3-0 to City at home. So there was a period basically between January uh, and February, about a month, where we lost four games, one of them in the FA Cup. That was the City game. So we lost to United, Everton and Wolves in the league. And I wonder if that's when the wheels fell off. And then, as you say, Jonathan, once we started to get to the business end of the... Uh, well, actually, do you know what? You know... What you're saying is not entirely true because we'll talk about this in, in, no, in the no, next part. It all took place in April, didn't it? You're right. You're yeah, right. you know, basically we played Bruges in the uh, in the European Cup Winners' Cup, uh, which would have been the semi-final, I think. No, that would have been the quarter-final. And we came back from 2-0 down in the first leg to beat them at home 4-0. This is a match that I want to talk about a lot in the next part. But after that, we only had two more losses. One was at Arsenal, up at Highbury in the 3rd of April, and the other was a 1-0 loss to Burnley. So, actually, our form wasn't too bad by the looks of it, but it's funny how you don't remember it like that. Um, I always thought there was a chance. I know you always think they might put a run together of all, all you know, of um, four or five games. It just seemed to be that there were less points. You know, you could finish six and lose a lot of get. You could finish third and, and lose more games than you can nowadays. That's the impression I got. I think the c- consistency was... You know, you could 
there was almost more that feeling that if you won at home and drew away, you'd win the title in that period. Um, whereas now it, it's, you know, people say, well, if you lose three games, you're then not going to be uh, a contender for the title. So there was always that feeling that they might just bring it back. But yeah, I think I actually think it was more the Wolves loss in the in, in February that was a um, uh, and the Southampton draw and then the Spurs loss. I think from then you then thought, well, then they drew with Huddersfield, who I think were relegated when they relegated that season. Mm. And I think yeah. that that to me, to me, that was the the home draw against Huddersfield, which I remember being at nil nil was uh, was a real downer. Because, okay. because they were they were in the bottom two and we did that thing of of having beaten you know a, a, a decent club earlier on then we lost to the bottom team uh, do you remember how many went down in those in those days was it four no i thought it was two well okay burnley finished in sorry blackpool finished in 22nd burnley 21st west ham 20th ipswich 19th Oh, so it wasn't Huddersfield. Okay. No, they finished kind of mid-table. Interesting enough, City finished eleventh. Now, listen before we go to the break. If you, and not including the uh, European matches, what was your favourite match that season? Do you remember? Um, I'm trying to remember. In Leeds, three-one at home. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Every time. Every time. Every time. I, I, I so hated Leeds. We all hate it. And Leeds. And Leeds and Leeds. And Leeds and Leeds and Leeds and Leeds and Leeds and Leeds. Yeah. Guess what? We all like Leeds. Yeah. We do. So you were there at that one. I mean, you know, Houseman scored it was Houseman scored two, Ozzy scored one. Terry Cooper scored for I think this one's been on one of those wonderful big match revisited on BT Sports recently. Interestingly enough, John Phillips was in goal that day. Yeah. but that must have been keeper. He wasn't yeah. somebody you'd go, oh, God, it's, um, um, in a sense, I think, uh, I don't know, on a par with probably better than, I don't know, you can't say better than Caballero. You know, we, we haven't, I thought Caballero did well a few games he played instead of uh, Kepa. So, Can I ask uh, a question, Chidge? Yeah, yeah, please I, do. Obviously, I, I'm fascinated by any season that the King of Stamford Bridge would have played in, but I'm also intrigued by Weller because I did... I'd like Jonathan to elaborate more because I did hear a lot of good things about him. I've got really good knowledge of the American leagues and I know he ended his careers there and eventually the late, great Keith Well, obviously he's not with us anymore. So, because I noticed his goals did actually dry up a lot after Christmas and he didn't score in the, uh, in the Cup Winners' Cup any other matches. So how good of a player was he actually? Was well, he like I, I think it was just his overall contribution. It was really exciting. It was a really exciting... Um, I mean, perhaps that may be a reason why um, they also they got rid of him. I did, why Sexton... Sexton was very specific, uh, very specific about creating sides, you know? Um, but oh, and also they, they were running, as, as, as we were saying, they were started running out of money. But, um, Sexton's, because uh, I thought he was going to go down the path that Sexton would have been similar to Sarri's. So if Weller wasn't listening to his coaching, then I don't, I don't know. I didn't get that. Imp- I don't know. I, I, I'm not as in- I wasn't informed then. I was I was too keen on. I still am to an extent. Just the result. You just wanted them to win all the time. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm now more capable of analysing what's going on. At the time, I just thought he was a really exciting player who was unbelievably quick beat people with great regularity and and center i like to find out how many assists he made because yeah, he was be... really really and the very fact that he played him 36 times in the league 
They sold him for exactly the same amount they paid for him. 51 times. That's hardly a sign of somebody you didn't, that he didn't approve of. Or no, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. So uh, I, um, I, it, very upright, um, curly-haired, um, uh, just, you know, uh, exciting, really exciting player. And um, as I said, so disappointed that he got sold. And it, it must have been a financial reason because it yeah. can't have been... It can't have been a, um, a, a, a form thing. You would never have played him in the first team if that was the case. Yeah, I just wondered if it was going down the Venables, sort of George Graham. Road. No, I don't, and I don't think he was difficult. I didn't get that impression. I but once again, we didn't have the we didn't have the uh, the rumor mill in the same way. I think, uh, from what I understand, and I'm actually this is this is I'm I'm dipping into this again. Actually, Tim Rolls's wonderful book, Stamford Bridge is Falling Down, which basically starts. Good in this season and and the perspective on it is that you know basically Chelsea were at the top of a wave you know they they won the FA Cup they're just they were about to win the European Cup winners cup they should have been on the crest of a wave there was a real feeling of uh, positivity around the club Brian Mears decided to go and build a new 50,000 seater stadium they were they'd bought the freehold of the ground all of these things were coming together but that was not happening. Basically, what was happening behind the scenes was that they were already suffering financially because of what they're about to do with the club. And they were starting to let players go. So instead of buying really, really top quality players, yeah. they were beginning to let players go. Keith Weller, it's cited by a lot of the players in, in Tim's book when he writes about this, was, was seen in retrospect as the beginning of the end. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the current squad who were really ambitious, the likes of Aussie, Hudson, Dave Webb, people like that, Thought, well, if you're letting people like him go, we're not going in the right direction, no. and that's that was the start of the disaffection, yeah. apparently, yeah, which is really, sense. yeah, really, really fascinating because he was wonderful. And I know people like you, Jonathan, who who were there to see him play in that year, who who just talked so fondly about him and effusively about him, and what a great player he was. And then we let him go, and you know, it, it I, ca I cannot recommend Tim's book highly enough, it co covers the period we're about to go into, actually. Yeah. And then beautifully, um, you know, the Eddie McCready book that uh, Marco and Dave and, and I think Kelvin and Mark Meehan wrote, that covers the next period after that. And then when that's finished, Kelvin's book, Celery, uh, representing Chelsea 80s, will cover everything we're going to talk about in the 80s. We've got all mates have written these fantastic books, which will give us a really lovely insight to add, I think, complement Jonathan's memories. Now, we're going to have a quick break and then we're going to talk about... Um, the wonderful uh was i said something that i i always you know view with massive affection was when we won the uh cup winners cup final in athens but before i do just a quick mention uh just to say thank you as always to the lovely people who are on patreon uh who uh, i am massively indebted to uh thank you so much for your support of what we do if you if you do uh love what we do on this show and you want to help us keep it afloat um uh you know any amount large or small really really helps so uh Easy to do. Just go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Chelsea Fancast and you can donate whatever you like every month. Um, and as I said, it doesn't have to be a lot. I mean, you know, the fanzines are up only a pound. So, you know, whatever you feel is appropriate. It's a good way of keeping in touch with me as well. So you can message me and, you know, I, I always say this every week about trying to think of things to do on there for you. I'll keep racking the old mighty brain. A bit difficult when there's no football on at the moment, but... Uh, we will not be downhearted and we will keep on at it. Anyway, we'll be back after this break.
Arsenal fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, and uh, I am delighted to be joined by Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Buonasera. And uh, even more delighted, if that could indeed be possible and true, but to welcome Dane Whittle for his debut Chelsea Fancast. Thank you very much. Good evening, everyone. Lovely to have you on board, Dane. Now, we spent uh, part two talking all about Chelsea's 1970-71 season, and I want to kind of focus on what most people remember from this season, which, of course, is the uh, the wonderful uh, European Cup Winners' Cup campaign, uh, which, of course, ended up with Chelsea winning the Cup against Real Madrid, would you believe, uh, in Athens after a replay. Chelsea like like going to replays in uh, Cup finals, and they certainly did in those days. Um it, I mean, you know, the thing is, it was it was it was a funny old competition, really, wasn't it? We had the European Cup, which was uh, very much lauded as the premier uh, European competition, quite quite rightly so. Which, of course, England had begun to have success in because United had won it in '68, Celtic had famously won it in uh, in 1967. Uh, Leeds uh, were, were, you know, all, all of our clubs were there or thereabouts. Uh, so that you know, the the cup winners cup was kind of a bit of a misnomer. Although you know, England had had a lot of. I mean, City had won it the year before. Uh, I think uh, the, the, the Fairs Cup competitions were around. West Ham had won it, haven't they, in, in nineteen sixty five? So English clubs, like they then went on to do in the seventies, were, were were fairly good at winning trophies in Europe. But I tell you, the one thing that I don't understand, Jonathan is what the mindset of the fans were was to this competition. I mean, you know, like now, we're all very highly highly tuned in, aren't we, to Chelsea being in European competition and the importance of winning it and doing well. You know, I just can't... I mean, and I know we'd been in European competition in the mid-60s, although we'd been a bit unlucky. I mean, we lost to Barca in that semi, didn't we, in 60, yeah, 65. Yeah. What were the fans' expectations and what were their feelings around the Cup Winners' Cup before we kind of kicked a ball in uh, in, uh, in, Gr- in in Salonica, in fact, wasn't it? Well, it, it wasn't as um, as ex- excited as uh, I think the FA Cup generated, just because you just need to look at the attendances to see that they're all 40,000 and 45,000. I mean, it's a huge crowd, but it's still 15,000 down on what you'd expect for playing a, a top game. And, um, and even the... Uh, Excuse me. The semi, the Man City semi-final only had forty-five thousand. So, um, uh, I don't think it. I don't think it was that. Uh, it, it meant as much to the fans as the 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 the, the diehards. Obviously, they'd go and watch it. I mean, forty-five thousand diehards. Um, uh, I was at the Man City game. I actually don't think I went to any of the other rounds, um, which. Um, I think just from the school aspect, really. Um, but I was definitely at the Man City game. And uh, um, I can't remember about the the club Brugge. Um, uh, my, my mother's fear all the time was that if there was any extra time, it was too late for me So uh, with school. So uh, I tended not to go to the evening games um, for that reason at that period. Um, but, yeah, I... I 
I got I just got the impression that we weren't um I don't know it well it, it it there was a kind of feeling that the also the the um uh the the European Cup was the best as you said was the hugest prize to get because it was so much more difficult and in actual fact the cup winners cup was a slightly um uh, a, 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 you know a, a, a weedy addition in comparison um but uh, it was it was still a very exciting time to see us progress, um, uh, particularly after beating City, who were once ago I keep saying were a very good team, and uh, and we beat them two 0 on aggregate. Um, so I uh, know it was and the final, of course. Then we're all madly keen on watching it, and it's only it's on as a a late night, isn't it? Well, so, let's park the final for now because I, I want to go back to the beginning of it because I've interviewed, as you know, for the Chelsea special, the likes of Johnny Boyle, Tommy Baldwin, Chopper, yeah, uh, all of whom uh, figured hugely in, in this European uh, Cup run and, and I've always been fascinated in it and Johnny Boyle and, uh, and Tommy Baldwin particularly are hilarious on this but the, the impression that they certainly gave me was it in the early rounds? It was treated by them as a bit of a like a jolly, you know. They were going. I mean, like the Salonica they loved September, beautifully sunny, lots of air hostesses for them to, you know, have hanky panky with <laughs> on the way there and on the way back, and they did, uh, and a bit of sun, sea, and sand and sangria, basically, with a bit of nookie thrown in. So they were, they were all very, uh, you know, all very kind of loving the jolly aspect of it. Um, even Sophia, I think, you know, there was a bit of host, air hostess shenanigans going on. But really the competition, I don't think, really came to life for Chelsea until the Bruges match, where they, they lost 2-0 away. But in the return leg, uh, they pulled out. I mean, actually, from people I know who were there and remember this, and even talking to Tommy Baldwin about it, who was who was brilliant on this. And by the way... Well, it was a, a good, great performance. Great yeah, well, I'll, I'll plug this again later, but do do please, if you're interested in, in this uh, tournament particularly, Tommy Baldwin and the Chelsea special is brilliant on this. But And he talks a lot about the Bruges match and he remembers it fondly. Uh, and it was, it was a real ding-dong match. It went to extra time. I mean, basically, Aussie put in an absolutely superb performance. Uh, he and, he and uh, Tommy Baldwin hooked up brilliantly that night, as they often did. And... Um, Basically, uh, yeah, Aussie scored in 81 minutes to take it into extra time. Houseman had scored on 21 minutes. And then it was the Aussie and the Baldwin show in extra time with Aussie scoring his second on 114 minutes and Tommy Baldwin scoring on 117. So that kind of took us beautifully through to uh, a semi-final uh, against Man City, which, of course, Jonathan Jonathan was at. Have, so, I, do, you, do you remember anything about that? I think I was at the the the, the Brugger game as well, actually. Do you remember? What do you remember? Uh, what that of just the the um, the tension of being being you know two 0 and level on aggregate and thinking they might score, you know that thing. So uh, it's that I I can't remember. I need to find my program collection, which is in storage at the moment. And just, well, just once again, it's always if I've got the program, I was there. But it, what well, it's, it's these little things. When you mention something, I then go, oh yeah, I remember. God bloody hell, yeah, I remember it being. It's that tense <clears throat> thing of thinking, you know, you've got to to two all, and then every single attack they have, you're convinced they're going to score, 
and uh, and you want so much you to score and then it you know it, it's obviously there's extra time and then yes i think osgood was supreme but you, you have to remember that osgood was uh, was a wonderful player there was always every chance that a goal would be the accuracy of his shooting is something that that you must really remember that he from wherever he was he'd find the top corner frequently or just get it it was just a um, a really class act osgood wonderful wonderful player i've got uh, some lovely game was attrition really uh, yeah it was it... good tactical battle wasn't it i've got some lovely uh quotes from our mates from last week uh, jonathan desmond hackett remember him yeah yeah, yeah. but uh, in the i don't know what papers these are sadly but they're they're they're, they're just wonderful uh, oh no the daily sketch god what was the daily sketch anyway join with the uh, mirror didn't it right may have done brian scovell it's a joy night for king aussie uh, aussie and sexton are quoted here dave sexton says this was the greatest chelsea night since we won the fa cup with only nine minutes left and another goal needed, I wondered whether to make a substitution, but I decided to leave things alone. Aussie says, I wasn't shattered after 90 minutes. I was after 45, but I just kept plugging away. When I got the equaliser, I knew we would win. And the, the point the point being here, as uh, Desmond Hackett writes, says, Peter Osgood came out of eight weeks in forced exile last night to put Chelsea into the semi-finals of the European Cup Winners' Cup. This unforgettable match went into 30 minutes of extra time and every second of those 30 minutes was an edge-of-the-seat thriller as the Belgians gallantly tried to resist the endless storming charges of Chelsea. Osgood marked his return from the Football Association's disciplinary suspension with a goal in ordinary time, which was what equalised the match, and then with the first of Chelsea's two match-clinching extra-time goals. The first goal of the night was scored by Peter Hausman after 20 minutes. Tommy Baldwin playing as though his life depended upon this game. Flicked the ball through to Osgood, who nodded down for Hausman. So basically, as I said, Aussie and, and, and Tommy Baldwin, as I said, he talks about this, and he had an absolute blinder. Um, so I think, you know, ultimately it has to go down, uh, really, as one of Chelsea's greatest European nights. I mean, we've had a few, JK, but I'd say that's got to be up there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember the, the, um, the uh, celebrations at the... The end of the game were absolutely phenomenal, actually. And yep. woe betide if you'd left early. There's that thing of some people leaving early and people going, what, where are you going? You know, the madness of it, because, yeah, it was a great victory. So, we, uh, as you said earlier on, JK, we dispatched Man City in a very tough, tight, tactical game. 1-0 uh, to us through a Smethurst goal at home, and then we went through through an away goal, uh, scored, I believe, by Healy, whoever he was. Uh, on 42 minutes, but we kept them out. Really clever, classic. Sec Cla Sexton was a very good ta uh, tactical manager, uh, and he he did very well. Their city, of course, as we know, were the holders. Although in the league they finished in 11th, so they perhaps weren't the side that they had been. Although with the likes of uh, just looking at who was in their side, J.K. Uh, Tony Book, Neil Young, uh, Neil Young, not not the uh, not the rock singer, obviously. Uh, Summerby was playing. Franny Lee, no Colin Bell, interestingly enough. Yes. I remember so that would... Neil Young. I'm sure I've told this story before. At the uh, at the home tie, um, uh, uh, I was trying to get autographs, and I was standing about, and, uh, and he said to me, "Yeah, he said, uh, you know where, uh, you know, there's a park round here, kidder." And I said, uh, um, "Yeah, I think there's. You can go down Eelbrook Common around the corner there." And, uh, and he went great. And, and one of the other girls who was collecting autographs, he he he. I'd say she was. She wasn't that young. Um, he proceeded to the coach went off one direction he went off into the other so uh, i wonder what he was up to 
Anyway, so we end up in Athens uh, for the final. Um, oh, by the way, actually, in that City game, uh, Keithy Weller also had a blinder in, in that. Uh, apparently a brilliant Weller free kick pushed in by the City keeper uh, away. That's what helped us into the final. Uh, so Weller took free kicks as well. Now, uh, the final in the Karias Kakis Stadium in uh, Piraeus in Athens. Uh the interesting thing about this, uh, my memories... I mean, obviously, it was you know, it went to 1-1, the first match, very quickly. I mean, basically, that was nigh on tragedy. I mean, Aussie scored a great goal. Aussie, as uh, very Drogba-esque in a way, loved scoring in finals, didn't he, JK? Yeah. Uh, he scored on 56 minutes. Uh, really good goal, good shot, 1-0, absolutely in control. Typical Chelsea. Zocco gets the equaliser right on uh, literally the last kick of the game. And apparently I was watching it today, the highlights, and the police, Barry Davies and his wonderful... I, I always think that Barry Davies sounded a bit like Michael Palin in, in Monty Python. If you listen back to him, you'll see what I mean. He's got... I don't know what it is. It's just the tone he comes out with. But he was saying in the... You know, because BBC televised the uh, the replay yeah. live on TV. And that's the on the DVD that I've got. And he was saying that, you know, how unlucky Chelsea were because the police were already ringing around to prepare to, you know, give Ch- Chelsea the trophy. And then bloody Zocco scores in the last minute. Now, did, did, did Dempsey I, make a mistake, if I remember? Uh, in, in, uh, yes, he might have done. He might have done. I can't remember. Do, what, do you, called, what do you remember the first... We called Dempsey, you know. What? Demps. Demps. Well, how about that? Yeah. What do you remember the first leg? Um, uh, great goal from Osgood. Uh, I, uh, I saw the... It was only the highlights I remember seeing. But, you know, you do that thing of... Uh, of not, um, they only had the highlights, yeah. Exactly. Do you know what? I, I found this out today because on the DVD that I've got, they've got the highlights of the first uh first match where it was clearly filmed, it's filmed, yeah. and it's in color because we're wearing the infamous or the famous blue kit with the yellow socks. Yeah. Of course, Real Madrid playing, playing white, a bit like Leeds Absolutely. in the 70 final, but it, um, it shows you the time at the time what uh British TV and what uh, thought about the Cup Winners' Cup, the fact that it wasn't live. And it was only highlights. But they had the the, the second match live indeed, on BBC. Indeed, Kenneth Wilson realised that there was an opportunity to get some revenue for it from the. Yeah, second. maybe so. Well, let's let's zoom along to the to the second the second match. I mean, you, you, now you're quite excited. It's on BBC, so you're watching Kenneth Wilson home do his thing. What do you remember of the final? Um, I just remember us being in. Uh, I thought in control most of the time. I thought it was such a good side, and they were, they were supposed to be the great Real, but they, I think the the bu- they weren't the, the bubble had they weren't the bubble had burst after the first one, you know we we'd seen that that they were there for the taking, and we should have won it, and it was uh, consequently it was it was something that I thought we well you you know never know with Chelsea, but um, we we hoped we'd win, so uh, um, we thought we'd win, um, uh, you know there it, it was it was a terrific um um i mean of course dempsey scored the first goal didn't he um with a head he did I remember and then uh and ozzy scored another one and um uh, let me just let, let me just one. read what get one in the last well I'll, I'll, i'm just going to read this passage about another book from a mate we can plug here but this is the bible for chelsea this is a uh, chelsea football club the complete record from uh our mate rick glanville uh, and uh, also, I should should hasten to add because he he co-wrote this with uh, Paul Dutton, who's also a Chelsea statistician. 
Uh, and there's just a couple of passages here. It says, The final at the Karyakis Stadium uh, was an engaging game of nip and tuck, artistry then resistance. Charlie Cook and Bonetti were in superb form, but it was Osgood who scored what looked the winner until a John Dempsey error allowed Madrid to level just as the ceremonial ban was ready to match on the pitch. So yet again we do it, snatching a you know defeat from the jaws of victory. So Chelsea. Uh, Madrid to level just as the ceremonial ban was ready to march on the pitch. David Webb was awesome in a pressured extra time. So yeah, um, Flightis scored on 75 minutes. So we were 15 minutes that's away why, from that's winning. That's I remember it exactly yeah. that. Yeah, the same thing happened again. Yeah, God. Anyway... Um, Basically, David Webb, brilliant in extra time. And, and then Dempsey, uh, uh, as I said, uh, you know, what, you, what you're holding your head in your hands, JK. It's all come flooding back to me. It's all come flooding back. Yes, it's all come. I remember it so well. It's that thing of one nil. Think, please don't score. Please don't score. Oh, God, they've scored. Oh, God, it's that. Oh, no. Anyway, um, he says here in the second leg, uh, now, text, now Sexton's tactical nails shone through. With a brave 4-3-3 formation in which Alan Hudson, Baldwin and Cook again starred, Chelsea dominated early on. Dempsey redeemed himself, driving home a follow-up from his own header and Osgood struck brilliantly from the edge of the box to make it two. Uh, Rail managed pressure and one goal, but Chelsea's heroes would not be denied and danced around the Kariakis Stadium at the end as Ron Harris held the trophy aloft. Another star could be added to the famous Chelsea badge. You cannot underestimate how brilliant Hudson was. Yes, exactly. I mean, absolutely. Match of his life. Phenomenal player. And uh, I keep forgetting about him in my, my assessments of Chelsea's best players because, uh, I mean, the skill from that boy, 18, bloody hell. And um, uh, it just, once again, the fact that he was, he went off to Stoke um, uh, was just a disaster for the club at that period because they had such good players. It was such a good team. The joy that you had watching these guys play, you know. But anyway, yeah. Well, I think you're right. And I think, you know, Charlie Cook was excellent. By the way, Charlie Cook... Charlie Cook came into midfield for that second match because John Hollins, who had been our absolute rock that season, was injured. John Hollins played in the first match, uh, but not the second yeah. uh, because he was injured. So Charlie Cook came in and played. played for Palace Cook when he was transferred yeah. there. Yeah. So Charlie Cook came in. But Charlie Cook, uh, you know, David Webb, uh, Tommy Baldwin, Aussie, and particularly Alan Hudson were, were brilliant. But I, I'd say that was, you know... Uh, Alan Hudson's greatest moment as a Chelsea player, and he would say that himself. Just to finish this up, uh, the, the, there's another uh, lovely side to this, which kind of resonates with what we were saying earlier on, because this was kind of as good as it got for Chelsea for a while, and it, it did in many respects go downhill after here. Um, in between, there were two days. Basically, they played the first leg on Wednesday, the 19th of May, would you believe? That's a special day on a Chelsea calendar, isn't it? Uh, Wednesday, the 19th of May, was the first match. The second match was played two days later yeah. on the 21st of May. Now, of course, half most of the Chelsea supporters had to go home. Uh, whereas, uh, I mean, for example, the attendance in the first match was 45,000. In the second, it was only 24,000. Now, I think we had about 3,000 Chelsea fans out there, from what I'm led to believe, but it could have been more, I don't know. And from what I understand, there are only about 200 left for the Friday game. The Chelsea players, their recuperation after the first leg, which of course the first match, which of course had gone to extra time, 
was to spend the entire day drink in a drinking session at the hotel, drinking cocktails led by Aussie Alan Hudson and Tommy Baldwin and Johnny Boyle. I have this word of mouth from Johnny Boyle and Huddy and uh, Tommy Baldwin. Um, they basically just got shit-faced in the hotel on a, fr- on a big drinking session. This is the day before the second match. Uh, also, the, you know, because there were so many Chelsea fans that had stayed over with nowhere to stay, that half of them stayed, and t- Tommy told me he had they had pl- they had fans sleeping in their room, Brilliant. joining in. I mean, it's just classic Kings of the Kings Road drunken lunacy. And then they turn up the next day, and I watched some of the highlights today, and there's no doubt, J.K. and Dane, they were absolutely in control for most of that match. Yeah. You know, Real Madrid really hardly had a kick, and they were quite an average side for them because actually by not winning that match Real Madrid failed to get into Europe for the first time in about 15 years so that tells me that they they weren't even doing that well in the league but um, they're still Real Madrid and we beat them in a final to win a European Cup and we did it half pissed I love that obviously Real Madrid missed the trick they should have went on the razzle as well (laughs) well the the interesting thing is Dane is that if you go go and read Tim's book um, you know we we said that it all began to go a bit pear-shaped after this but half of that was down to the culture that they had. Chelsea were a very difficult side to manage with a lot of big egos like Aussie and Huddy, Tommy. You know, they, they, were, they, were, they were just a really difficult team to manage. They liked to do their own thing and they wouldn't be told. And Dave Sexton was a great tactician, but not a brilliant man-manager. And he didn't really know how to manage them. And, you know, when, when everything was going great and they were winning, it was fine. But when they hit a bit of a wall, it's different. And I think... You know, whilst it's 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 brilliant from our point of view that we had this great team that used to love getting pissed and still be able to turn up, actually, I think in the end, that may have been what did for them. I don't know, J.K., yeah. what do you think? Um, I heard that he couldn't actually deal him. with them in the end. Uh, it, 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 it became too much for him. And I think he was quite a, a sensitive soul, Sexton, from what I heard. And uh, it was all it was all too much for him. Um, and it's no coincidence, because he went to Queen's Park Rangers and... Uh, and they became a powerhouse for a short period and almost won the league in 76 with um, with David Webb and McClintock, obviously, playing with them as well. And um, uh, and Johnny Hollins, um, who was the other Chelsea player who played for them? Venables. Venables, yeah. yeah. Captain. Yeah, yeah. And, and they were a top side and because he was so tactically astute. And... Um, yeah, you. It, the egos were were too enormous at Chelsea. Was, I think. I think actually, if Sexton had stayed and there had been a bit of money, you'd have seen some of these, some of the 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 more difficult players being moved out, but being replaced with with top notch players. And that's not what happened no. because of the money. Indeed, 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 indeed. Well, I don't know about you two. Actually, final word to Dane, really, because uh, I know it's difficult when uh, you know Jonathan and I are in full flow, even though I wasn't there. But Dane, well, you know, just that's some thoughts for you on this. Yeah, I love the story about them being having a good drink and having supporters in 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 their rooms. It's funny. I did notice substitutes. Was there more substitutes allowed in the European competitions than there was in the league? Yeah, no. it must have been four, weren't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Were they? Were they really? Yeah, two substitutes in the first leg. Uh, Tommy Baldwin come on and Paddy Mulligan. So just yeah, that intrigued me quite a bit. Yeah, obviously, 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 being the age I have, I've I've heard so much about so many of these players, and it, I do. Although I don't, I have no memory of. Oh, I've never watched him. I wasn't born, but yeah, I hold him in such high esteem. I have a couple of 
Peter Osgood collectible, you know, autographs. I, I've read quite a few of the books and yeah, I'd recommend any of the books, even the ones you said, Tim Rolls one, that's a, that's a wonderful book. Just to get a, a feeling of what life was like at Chelsea in these, these times and very envious of Jonathan, you know, you tell some wonderful stories. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds so amazing. A lot of misery there, Dane, a lot of misery. I would, yeah, I can imagine, but I would have loved to have that period. It. That Tim Rolls book is fabulous. I absolutely is, agree. Yeah. Fabulous book. And uh, But uh, the, the horror I had with it was that I knew what was going to happen and it still upset me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> it was, you thought, oh, no, that terrible event. Oh, God, yeah, oh, no. <laughs> and uh, and uh, my dad was... was, uh, was very much involved with my support at the time and uh he and i just you know just used to discuss you know i was little and yet i still discussed you know the whole process of of doherty's the the the, the blackpool thing when he just dropped everybody was i was so so upset about em- is that when emlyn hughes broke ozzy's leg was that oh no that was uh that was um uh that was later on that was oh, 60, exactly that. Was that 67 chidge do you remember when uh Aussie's a bit earlier than that, I think. Was it 60? No, it was 60. Hey, I, I, yeah, I think. Was it? Um, can't remember, is the honest answer. That was, that was with Bridges and all the other players. And, uh, um, I, I wonder if that was. I wonder if you're right, actually. Because I thought they all went looking for Emily Hughes, and that was the problem. <laughs> what, that night? That's why they all went out. That's not in Tim's book. That's a good one, actually. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I've missed No, I must look it up. You're absolutely right. Yes, because it was Emily Hughes who was involved in the in the tackle with him. Yeah, you're right. Was he, he was anyway. Blackpool at the time? Yeah, yeah, right. I think he was. Yeah, right, right, chaps. Time is a moving on. Uh, I have really enjoyed that little uh, journey down memory yeah, lane, JK. Thanks, thanks for recalling it as much as you do. We will be talking about the seventy-one, seventy-two season, which is a weird old season because we ended up in the League Cup. That was our last trip to Wembley until nineteen eighty-six, really, wasn't it? So that'll be a fun one to talk about. Losing to Stoke City in the cup final. Uh, the release of Blue is the Colour, of course. So there's a few things to talk about with that. Das Leben kann hektisch sein. Warum nicht dem Alltag entfliehen und in die magische Welt von Evermerge eintauchen? Evermerge ist ein magisches Land, das mit jeder Entdeckung größer und besser wird. Werde ein Merch Master. Baue und sammle einzigartige Gegenstände oder verschönere deine eigene wundersame Welt. Im Land von Evermerge gibt es immer etwas zu tun. Evermerge. Jetzt kostenlos im App Store herunterladen.